What is going on, everybody? Jordy Cannell here. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of the Bullpen Cart Podcast presented by ThunderBlogSports.com. The Phillies move on. The Wild Card Weekend was awesome. I break that down. I preview the Divisional Series. This one was a lot of fun to record. Cannot wait to hear what you all think. As always, though, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Search the Bullpen Cart wherever you get your pods. Find us on Twitter, ThunderBLG, Thunderbox Sports on Instagram. But enjoy the Divisional Series. It's going to be a great week of baseball. Let's go, Phils. And here we go. Welcome to this week's episode of the Bullpen Card Podcast, presented by ThunderBlogSports.com. I, of course, am your host, the G-Man, Jordy Cannell. Just me this week, breaking down the divisional series of the MLB playoffs, the 2022 playoffs, well underway after an incredible wildcard weekend. The Phillies moved on. They're in the divisional series. We get a home game at Citizens Bank Park. They took down the Cardinals. It was great. We're going to you know, go through that, go through some of the other wild card series are really all of them. There's only four, so some is practically all four. But we're going to start with the Phils. 2-0 series win. Wheeler, Nola, both of their first postseason starts looked pretty great. Things were uh, a little different on the offensive side of the ball. As you probably know, if you watch the series, it was 2 nothing until the top of the ninth of the first game. Phillies rattle off six in the ninth inning. A pretty incredible comeback. You saw Cardinals fans leaving. Game two, a little different. Bryce Harper's second inning home run. They end up tacking on one more late. They hold on to the lead, and they close it out. They got it done. Again, great pitching. Even with Alvarado coming in, letting up the Juan Yepes pinch hit home run, it was still great. It was a great outing. You know, there were there certainly were stressful moments throughout the entire series, including leading into the ninth inning, the bottom of the ninth inning in Game One, where and in Game Two, frankly, where both games Zach Eflin closed it out. Not a safe situation in Game One. It was a safe situation in Game Two. Is you know gets a save there. And, um, you know, they got it done. They figured it out. And despite the fact they scored eight runs between the two games, you saw kind of the, the DNA of the Phillies. They're top heavy with their pitching. And, they, you know, they, they came out and pitched great. The offense was sluggish, certainly in the first game, not scoring a run until the ninth. And in the second game, you know, they, they got the job done. They could have tacked on more easily. Not a ton of runs scored and from scoring position, but you know what? The defense, which had been great in the second half, played their ass off in the field. Alec Bohm with one of the more incredible plays at third base. He, you know, played a really great series. And and for the most part, so did the rest of the Phillies. They were smart. Really, aside from a Bryce Harper trying to extend a single into a double where it could have been first and third with no outs, instead it's a runner on third base with an out. You know, they were smart on the base paths. They they kind of got the, the Cardinals panicked a little bit. And, you know, they, they played their brand of baseball. Rob Thompson extended. He's officially no longer the interim manager of the Phillies. He's extended for two more years after this season through 2024. 
Very excited about that. You can tell this team loves to play for them. And, you know, the Phils, they're, they're figuring it out. But they now play the Braves. We'll talk about that in a little bit. And it's going to be a battle. They're set up really well. I, I said this a lot to a number of my friends and, and various people that wanted to hear me talk about the Phillies saying it was incredibly important that they won that second game so that Ranger Suarez didn't have to pitch the third game. He's pitching game one. And Zach Wheeler will be on four days rest. That's regular rest going into game two. And then Nola, six days rest in game three. First game at Citizens Bank Park in 11 years, since 2011. And it's just exciting. Everybody, you know, on Philly's Twitter, on, you know, various aspects of the internet and different friends, family are just, it's just incredible. The Phillies are back in it. It's, you know, the Eagles are five and oh, and having the Phillies where they are, it's just great. And it's so much fun. It's exciting to see this team back in there. And we'll, we'll talk about the Brave series in a little bit, but did want to lead off with that. And it's so incredibly exciting to see the Phillies, you know, win a playoff series and be in the final eight. And, We'll come back to the other NL series. We'll start in the American League. The Guardians-Rays series, not for the casual baseball fan, I would say. Um, A total of four runs scored in 24 innings of play. And yes, it was only two games. There was a 15-inning game the second game. Uh, Some great pitching. It's probably the best way to put it. Um from both sides, frankly. And, you know, you saw home runs. It was all runs were scored by the by the long ball. And the Guardians got it done in two games. They were the only home team. We talked about it last week. We went full chalk saying, well, I didn't pick in the Phillies Cardinal series. But we we said that it was such an advantage to all of the home teams to have all three games at home and only one home team advanced, and that was the Cleveland Guardians. And you saw at the moments when they needed it, Jose Ramirez with a two-run shot. And then, obviously, the Oscar Gonzalez home run in the 15th inning to end it. And I laugh at that because of everything surrounding it. If you've been watching baseball highlights or anything, you've seen the SpongeBob SquarePants. Oscar Gonzalez has the SpongeBob SquarePants theme song. As his walk-up music, he used it in AAA. He said, I'm playing a kid's game. I'm going to use a kid's song, the SpongeBob SquarePants theme song. And everyone in Cleveland goes absolutely nuts for it. I had no idea that this guy's walk-up music was the SpongeBob theme song. And I found it out in game one, watching a little bit of it before the Phillies came on because they were the first game on both days. I played at noon on Friday and Saturday. And, uh, you know, having it in the 15th inning, that game, it was the only game in town at that point. The uh, I think the Blue Jays-Mariners game two had started at that point because it went 15 innings, but still had it on. You know, it's that game was starting, and, and we'll talk about that series and how the game two started there. But it was it was incredible. You had the kid in the SpongeBob outfit, and he hits a walk-off home run. And if you're Tampa, you know, I, so I was watching MLB Network this morning. I'm recording this on Monday, by the way. So by the time you're listening to this, maybe... Phillies Braves already started. Maybe you're listening to the morning. Appreciate that. Um, but, you know, I was watching that and and they were talking about just Kevin Cash and the decisions and obviously pulling Blake Snell a couple years ago in the World Series and a very similar situation with McClanahan. And he keeps him in 
and he lets up the Jose Ramirez home run. It's like, oh, this isn't going to get blown up like the decision to pull Snell. McClanahan still threw seven innings, and he pitched great. He just let up a home run in his offense. It didn't get the job done. Cleveland, we mentioned it, was a very similar team in their build of having a great pitcher and Shane Bieber going game one, who pitched his ass off. Tristan McKenzie in game two pitched his ass off, and then the bullpen got it done. And you know what? Cleveland figured it out, and being the home team to a team that matches up to you so well, you know, it ended up being the advantage, and they move on. They're playing the New York Yankees in a rematch from a couple years ago, and we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. I guess they also did play in 2020. 2020 playoffs were, they feel like they were forever ago, and it feels like that 2017 series was more recent than the COVID playoffs, but... Obviously not. That was five years ago. But let's talk about the other series. The most uh, most excited game, two. We'll put it that way. Mariners and the Blue Jays. Mariners win the first game four to nothing. They got out early. They got the job done in game one. Pretty well done. A pretty quick game, at least by baseball playoff standards. Not not really that quick comparatively to the Guardians Rays series. That first game took two hours. But the <laughs> Mariners get game one done. Game two comes in. Blue Jays need to respond, and they respond well. They get up by seven runs. I'm sure you've seen it at this point. And the Mariners storm all the way back. They put up a couple runs. The the Blue Jays end up scoring another run. It was 8-1 at one point. And the Mariners end up tying this thing up at 9-9 in a wild wild inning that included a collision, a bases clearing double on a little flare into the outfield. And George Springer ended up getting carted off the game because he tried to dive into Bo Bichette's, ended up hitting his arm and inadvertently got clotheslined and he gets carted off. Bo Bichette, you're not sure if he's going to play. He does end up continuing to play. He's like flapping his arm and everything as if he's hurt. But the Mariners, the little engine that could, the team that, you know, we weren't sure what we were going to see out of them. But again, top-heavy pitching. Luis Castillo pitched an incredible first game. And not to put anything on the Mariners and their pitching on the second game, but they just grinded this thing out, and we've seen him do it. They have an offense that, that gets the job done. Julio Rodriguez obviously headlining that team. But, you know, to claw your way back at, from a seven-run deficit, uh, that might be... Intentional grounding there. I still have the third quarter of this Monday Night Football game going on. Um, maybe one of the most ridiculous roughing the passer calls. I forgot to mention this off the top. A little show note for you. We are going to do a football show on Wednesday night, so look out for that on Thursday morning. We were supposed to have Matty D on last week. He, I think we mentioned on the show, but he had to drop at the last minute with some family stuff. So we had just me and MJC, Michael J. Clark. Uh, so Matt will be back this week. We're going to do it on Wednesday. I was going to try to have Greg on. I know he's super busy with work, but uh, yeah, so that's why I'm doing the solo show. But so if you hear me respond, it's because this Monday night football game is on. It's become a close game. It's now 20 to 17 in favor of the Raiders. Uh, I don't expect that to stay the case on either side. It's probably going to be a much more higher scoring game. Chiefs probably pull it out because that's what they do. They're the Chiefs. This is really, really funny for you to look up what the final score was, especially if the Raiders pull away, but I doubt that's going to happen. Anyway. Let's talk about the last National League series. Not to, I, At this point, with me talking about these other series and 
you know, the, the recapping these series. I'm sure you've seen all the discourse from it. You're getting the more in-depth analysis from, you know, whether that's your local team, the NBC Sports Philly people for my Phillies fans, or even if you just watch MLB Network like I did today. We're, we've been painting my office this week, this weekend, leading into this week, because we needed a couple coats for one of the layers. Uh, so I've been working from my couch and podcasting from the couch. Uh, it's been fun, you know, just throwing on MLB Network. No sports until this Monday Night Football game, but... You know, maybe maybe too much details. Who knows uh, for you all? But you know, sometimes people like a little inside the inside the life of the G man. But the final National League series, the Padres defeat the New York Mets, and I'm laughing not just to dance on the grave of the team I hate the most in all of sports, the New York Mets, who won 101 games and didn't get out of the wild card round, but the comedy of errors that ensued in Game Three. The Padres come out and, first of all, in game one, hit four home runs off of Max Scherzer, the first time he'd ever done that in the postseason, and really stuck it to the Mets. And there was a big panic. And Mets come back game two, really stick it to the Dodgers. They win that one 7-3. to three. So game three comes in. Chris Bassett versus Joe Musgrove. And uh, Joe Musgrove did not disappoint. Joe Musgrove was pitching the game of his life for his hometown team, grew up a Padre fan. This becomes important. You probably have seen this. Again, you've probably seen all the highlights. But if you didn't, if you did not, Joe Musgrove throughout the game is pitching great. Apparently, you know, Twitter's a buzz saying his spin rate is up. Somehow, Buck Showalter, the Mets manager, gets wind of this. You, know, you can see on the broadcast, his ears are kind of shiny. And you remember, we talked about this on the podcast last year, the sticky stuff controversy, the foreign substances that were making pitchers pitch a lot better. And, you know, we had the managers who were checking, and they still are, checking players' gloves and hands in between innings. We had it earlier this year where an umpire had to check Max Scherzer's hair. And this same umpire gets called in the top of the, at the bottom of the sixth inning. It was in New York, so the Mets were batting. And uh, Buck Showalter gets the crew together and, wants him to check Joe Musgrove for a foreign substance. You know, somehow he knew the spin rate was up. He said he gets a lot of information in the in the dugout. And, uh, you know, so they, they go and they check his hand. They check his glove. And Musgrove, uh, you know, his ears are shining. So all of a sudden, they start, you can kind of hear me doing it. I'm doing it to, to explain it. They start feeling his ears. They were checking his ears for a foreign substance. <laughs> they checked the the sideburn beard area. And um, the Mets are down 4 nothing at this point, by the way. And, uh, yeah, they, they couldn't find anything. Mets fans are thinking he's going to get tossed. They're showing the fans in the crowd. And uh, they couldn't find anything. And we later find out from a tweet from Andrew McCutcheon, and this is where the Joe Musgrove becoming a – or being a Padre fan as a child – Becomes important talking about that it was probably red hot and that I knew pitchers that did it, you know, kept him focused. I don't know why they did it because it probably hurt like a bitch. Uh, I'm paraphrasing there. I'm not reading the exact tweet. But uh, we then find out that Joe Musgrove saw Jake Peavy do this as a Padre. And this morning on MLB Network, Jake Peavy comes on and talks about, yeah, I did this. I learned it from Roger Clemens. Put it on your ears. Put it where the sun don't shine. The nether region, in other words. And uh, it keeps you uncomfortable and because you don't want to be comfortable on the mound. Once you get comfortable, you know, that's when things start going wrong. 
And, um, yeah, so I think that that might have settled that. He just had Red Hot, which uh, is like Icy Hot, but no ice. It's just the burn, um, which I can I can at least speak from prank experience, being pranked and pranking people, or specifically teammates in uh, locker rooms of putting Icy Hot on people's pads, including Where the Sun Don't Shine. Uh, it's not fun. Uh, the worst was putting it on someone's towel so they're coming out of the shower, get some icy hot on you. Uh, the hot, not fun. You feel the cooling sensation. You're like, oh, boy, I got screwed here. But it's not a sticky substance. That's the important part there. That stuff is slimy. It's really hard to get off, uh, even in a shower, hence the towel part being especially cruel prank. Not great. So back to the game. It's 4 nothing. We get to, I believe it was the... Eighth inning, the Mets or the Padres have run two runners on, and the Mets bring in Edwin Diaz. The Mets the entire year were shoving narco the Timmy Trumpet song down everybody's throat. Diaz having an incredible season. Do have to acknowledge that. And uh, oh, the Chiefs nope uh, ran out of bounds. Thought the Chiefs might have a. A nice touchdown there, but good good coverage, if you will, but still like a 30-yard play. Anyway, Diaz, Narco, they even had Timmy Trumpet play it live at a game. Jerry Seinfeld, of course, as the Mets started to blow the NL East to the Braves, said, you know, I blame the silly Trumpet guy. This is like when we had the Baja men at the World Series, yada, yada, yada. They bring him in. They bring in Diaz in the eighth inning, down 4 nothing, and they play the song. Mr. Met, the Mets mascot, going nuts with a trumpet. They're showing fans in the st- in the stands going crazy, including Padre fans. Again, they're up for nothing. They're going nuts. And they play this stupid song for their reliever, who, by the way, there was a whole controversy with Contreras on the Braves using the song, and they're like, oh, who... Who's supposed? Who's allowed to use it and isn't? There was a clip of the Mets broadcasters like shitting on him using it, and he hit a home run. And then later, Edwin Diaz struck him out. It's like, oh, Diaz is the only one that's allowed to use it. You play the fucking song. Diaz comes in and he lets up the two runs. Juan Soto gets a two RBI hit, and it ends up being six nothing. That's the final score. The Mets go out, not even in front of a shot. Uh, 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 sold out crowd, almost said shut out crowd, but they were shut out in front of a non sold out crowd. 39,000 people in the game for reference. They had 42,000 people the night before, 41,000 people on Friday night. Only 39,000 people went. The Mets lost. They now have DeGrom as a pending free agent. They now have Evan Diaz as a pending free agent. They have a lot of offseason work to do. Steve Cohen can still shell out as much money as he likes, but the Mets, the Mets, Mets. And they lost. And I don't mean to dance on their graves too much because they kicked the shit out of the Phillies in the in the regular season. But the Phillies advanced further than they did. And it feels fucking great. And I wish I had Greg here to be the contrarian and go on the other side. But it just feels fucking awesome. It's great. The Phillies are in the divisional round. The Mets aren't. The Phillies got to play the Braves. It's going to be a hell of a series. We'll dive into it. Let's dive into it now. Fuck it. All right. So the Phillies... First series out, they play at 1 o'clock on a Tuesday and then at 5.30 on Wednesday for the two games in Atlanta. The Times of Philly haven't been announced on Friday and Saturday, which will be absolutely stupid if they play a Friday day game in Philadelphia. The Philly fans will still show out. It'll be great. 
But the first game, Suarez versus Max Freed, which should be um, it should be interesting. Max Freed has pitched very well against the Phillies throughout the year. Ranger Suarez has had his good starts. He's had his bad starts. But it's gonna be it's gonna be a really interesting game where you see Suarez, who left-handed has had you know has had his ups and downs throughout the year. He you know I hated to be the contrarian throughout the season on Suarez. I said at the beginning of the season all of the the hype surrounding him because of that great September last year. Um, yeah, I wasn't really I wasn't totally buying it, and this year was kind of kind of different to a certain extent. Suarez, though, his five starts against the Braves, all very similar to what we've seen out of his full season stats. He started five games, went one and two. His record is above 500 on the year. He's 10 and seven. So five, one and two record doesn't really totally mean a ton. A, an ERA of 3.1 or 3.21, which is basically the close to his season long ERA of 3.65, a little lower. Um, he pitched in five games. I pitched a total of 28 innings, which means he got into the sixth inning in a couple games, um, or on average, you know, went a little bit beyond. I think it's, it's almost exactly 5.2. So five and two thirds. Um, it's 5.6 to be exact. So almost 5.2, but, um, yeah, it's going to be really, really interesting to see. He struck out 23 guys, 12 walks. Kind of just what you've seen out of it. Opponent's batting average at 223, which, you know, we saw him pitch better post-All-Star break. In in 13 starts post-All-Star break, hitting area 3.15, batting average of 232. So we'll see if he can hold him there. What really becomes interesting out of this for the Phillies on that in this aspect of pitching becomes the bullpen. It was talked about a lot in the series. It's been talked a lot about it by everybody that Alvarado is really the most trusted guy out of the pen. He's had one of the best second halves of any reliever in the national league. And you know, he'll be used a lot. He was used in both games and we'll see what comes out from him. Sir Anthony Dominguez did come into game two. He shut down Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado, the two MVP candidates. So hopefully that's a good sign for him to be still stepping in the correct direction towards what you hopefully are going to see out of him. We saw David Robertson in game one. He pitched a good inning. And then we saw Eflin in both games. He has basically become the ninth inning guy. He was in the game that clinched the playoff berth. He was in both games against St. Louis. Got to expect to see him towards the end of a game. And maybe for long relief too. And it, you know, the fact the Phillies are set up to go Suarez, Wheeler, Nola for games one, two, and three and then really you're not sure of who's pitching game four. Hopefully, it's it's probably Billy Falter and see what you get out of him. But again, I, I don't totally trust that. And I hope we don't see Kyle Gibson. I hope we don't see Nick Nelson. That would fucking suck. Noah Syndergaard would be a real wild card choice. But looking into the bullpen of who might come in, like Andrew Bellotti, if he's coming in, do I really trust that? Not totally. Brad Hand, also don't totally trust it. Um, yeah, where the Phillies can go really depends on what the late inning situations come into and seeing what the, what they decide to do out of that is going to be, 
it's going to be paramount to really where they go. And obviously, I mentioned it with the Cardinals series, where the lineup goes. We've seen a bunch of games against the Braves where the Phillies scored a ton of runs. We've seen some where the lineup's completely dead and they're just getting blown out by the Braves. And we've seen close games. And to be entirely honest, you need a couple good offensive games. I know that sounds really obvious to say, but having two games in Atlanta where the last time you were there, you got swept, isn't totally great. And obviously one of those games, they blew the game late and, you know, there are the problems there, but you need to have at least one of those two games where the Phillies put up five or six runs and feel really confident about it. And not just a ninth inning rally and everything there. That was great. But you need to do that throughout the game. You need to hit better in situations of runners in scoring position or moving guys over. You saw them play a lot of small ball in that in that Cardinal series, which was great to see. And you need to just see it follow through to fruition of getting those runs across the board. And that becomes really important because Atlanta can do that. Their offense really was just on another level throughout the second half of the year. And... Frankly speaking, if the Phillies don't do that, they're going to get embarrassed. And it's fun to say, like, oh, Nola's going to get to start the game in Philadelphia. It's going to be really great. And maybe it is. Maybe they, you know, if they lose the first two games, maybe they come out and it's, you know, they make it 2-1 and it's an exciting game with this this third, this game four, and we're not entirely sure who's going to start because Bailey Falter start Because what would it be? Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Some Saturday, yeah, you're not getting... Ranger Suarez for game four. So it's, you know, it's concerning of where that's going to go, but they've won games in Atlanta. They've done it in the first half. So there's hope. There's hope. And I know I'm being incredibly biased here. I don't pick this series, but we'll see. But again, how they manage this lineup. And you could have said that about the Cardinal series too, where, you know, they had the great players and the MVP candidates, but this team top to bottom the Atlanta team, how they decide to build it out becomes really, really concerning because you have William Contreras, who's done well against the Phillies. You have Matt Olson, who's and Austin Riley, who both of whom have killed the Phillies. Michael Harris has only gotten better as the year has gone on. And, you know, they're, they're just a really good team. So to see what, and, you know, I'm obviously not even mentioning Swanson or Acuna, and they just really can build this team pretty well how they want to of top to bottom no matter where they decide to put different players it's going to be it's going to be a battle and you know even if you want to say you know I don't know I don't know if there's any news on if Spencer Strider's playing it still technically says he's hurt but he uh you know he if he's playing he's killed the Phillies and you know it's they're they're just a really good team that's built really really well, and to see what they can do, it, it's going to be a battle. So let's let's keep moving. I don't want to have this be a huge show. When I do these solo pods, let me know, listen, you know, listener base America. What I don't think America's, you know what I mean. Let me know what you think of the solo pods. I always get I'm ranting and I get concerned and whatnot of how I sound and me talking too much. That's why I like having other people on the show. But anyway, let, let, let's keep moving. The next series that starts tomorrow is Seattle at Houston. 
the Houston Astros. An absolute wagon. Justin Verlander coming in with his sub-2 ERA in just one of the best performances we've seen. He's starting game one. You got Lucas Gilbert, Logan Gilbert, excuse me, starting for the Mariners, who had a pretty good season. The Mariners obviously just riding all sorts of highs on throughout their year. And seeing what this team can possibly do, the Mariners, that is, against a really good Astro team is exciting to think. It's exciting to, to think about the possibility of them continuing the magic story, the magical run. If you really think about it, though, the Astros this entire year have just been unreal. They have been an incredible team to watch. Top to bottom, their offense is just buzzing up and down the lineup. The Mariners have a very good lineup as well, but it's it's not to the level that Houston brings out here. You can maybe see the heroics out of guys like Cal Raley continue and, and see where they can go with it, but they need to have their all-star pitching be at that level. And they're in a similar spot as the Phillies, right, of where their game two isn't even until Thursday because the American League has a day off. So Castillo can come back and pitch game two. It'll be from Friday to Wednesday or to Thursday, six days off, full rest. So seeing what you know the Mariners can can throw out there becomes really interesting, but it also does matter at what point can the Mariners break through against this Astro pitching staff, who has been, you know, one of the best in baseball throughout this entire season. So there are some really interesting managerial discussions that can be set surrounding the game. But on the other side of it, the Astros are just so, so good in what they can do. I mean, whether it's Altuve, whether it's Bregman, Kyle Tucker or Alvarez smashing the ball, Gurriel, they're, they're built really well. And they have the ability of one guy is 0 for 3 with a walk and they you know, and isn't really producing that somebody else can just pick it up and keep going. And they've been able to do it. And I know everything with the asterisks and all that and the World Series in 2018 is so crazy and yada, yada, yada. But they're still a really good team. They're a really good baseball team. And frankly, even in the Astros asterisk series, we saw them struggle on the road. It's a five-game series and, and all of that stuff. So, you know, we'll see what happens. But I think this isn't going to be as close of a series as I'd like it to be. I'm going to say the the Mariners are able to rattle one off at home, at least for their you know for their home crowd who hasn't gotten to see a playoff game since 2001. But I don't know. It it I feel like it's a it's Astros and four here. But we'll keep it moving. Again, I don't want to keep you too long. I appreciate you tuning in. Definitely one of the shorter shows, but you know that is how it is. So. The next series, Cleveland at New York, the Guardians and the Yankees facing off. And this is another series that just I can't see being very close. Um, The Yankees upset them in 2017. That was the series I was referring to before. They beat them in the wild card series in 2020 in the COVID year. And, you know, I I would have thought this about the Guardians, too. I, I really wrote them off. We talked about it last week. 
going into the season, but it really just doesn't seem. And this is a, these are two teams that are separated by seven games comparatively to sixteen games of the Seattle Houston series. And I think the Seattle Houston series might be better. The Cleveland New York series again. The fact that you have that extra day off gives Cleveland the ability to bring in Bieber in game two, and he looked excellent. You get McKenzie in game three, so they can really right the ship a little more as the series continues, but it's hard to think the Yankees and how they rallied, not just with Aaron Judge hitting 62 home runs, but how the rest of that team rallied. We talked about it with Michael J. Clark last week how they were able to turn it around in September and really get it going, it's hard to think that they're not just going to continue that. With with Quantrill, Quantrill, Jesus, starting game one, you know, he's had a good year, but he's also had some pretty poor starts. It's hard to think, and Garrett Cole has too, but I think the Yankees are ready to go and I'm spending less time on this one because I just don't think it's going to be close. I think this is outside of the Phillies Braves. And I feel like non-biased minds might have a different opinion on it. This might be a sweep. This is going to be a very good Yankee team. That's been waiting for this moment for a while. Basically since they clinched a playoff spot, they eventually clinched the East. And even with, Winning the East by as many games as they did, winning, you know, getting a bye by seven games over Cleveland. You know, I, I feel like they're hungry and they want to prove something. They've gotten close, but no cigar so many times in this judge era. And I think they're just going to steamroll through and await probably the Astros. I'm going to say Yankees in three, maybe Yankees in four. It's, I don't think either American League series is going to five. Both National League series, again, very biased opinion on the Phillies Brave series. Both could easily go five. And let's move to that final series. San Diego at LA. I mentioned it last week that while I thought the Mets were going to win, if the Padres made it, this series was going to be fun. San Diego's got a lot to prove. They obviously have a number of different guys they can throw. They're throwing Clevenger in game one, and they should be able, again, Again, similar to the Phillies of having uh, Zach Wheeler be able to go in game two, they should be good to go to get you Darvish in and see what he can do in game two and be set against a Dodger team that is a juggernaut. They're, they won 111 games, incredible pace from the LA Dodgers, who are a very good team, but it's a divisional rival. It's two fan bases that absolutely despise each other. Every series, I feel like we see a fight in some form of the stands. And, you know, this is going to be this is gonna be a fun series. I do think the Dodgers win. I said I think it could possibly go five. I think it's going to go four, just mainly because of the fact that the Dodgers, throughout this whole run, however many years it's been, they made the World Series, obviously. Oh, it's 2017 that the Astros won. Because the Red Sox won in 18 because they beat both teams beat the Dodgers. But so whoever wants to complain that I screwed up, I fixed myself. But anyway, but this whole run the Dodgers have been on, basically from 2017 onward, they've looked so good and they've been able to use that plug and play ability. 
And they obviously have a ton of superstars. They have Freddie Freeman, Mookie Betts, and a whole cast of characters on this team. And they still can plug and play guys, but they've only gotten better adding Betts, adding Freeman. And their pitching staff is very good. And it is, I want to say it's just, it doesn't matter. I think it's Dodgers and four in this. I know the Padres have a lot to prove. If Musgrove comes out and pitches like he did in game three of the wild card series, this could go five. I mean, I, I would think he, maybe they move him up to pitch game three, but if he's pitching game four, win or go home, it, you know, it could be a lot different there, especially in San Diego with that crowd. That's why I think this could potentially go five, but see, we'll see what happens with this team and what they can do. But the Dodgers, I feel like are just too much to push through them. So, Again, to recap, it didn't pick Phillies Braves. Too biased to pick there. Astros in four, Yankees three. You know what? I'm going to say Dodgers in five. I'm going to say that that we get the exciting series. We get a game five. The five-game series, you know, with the wild card, that was something I saw on Twitter today, too, of people complaining about the three-game series. I've never been the biggest fan of the five-game series in the divisional series. But now I feel like, you know, three, five, seven, seven. Is a good setting. I thought they should have done that when they first added the wild card game ten years ago, and they, you know, they moved to it and even expanded the playoffs. So that's, you know, that's exciting. If it goes five five seven seven eventually, that could be fun. But I think currently the the baseball setup, we had a very exciting weekend of baseball. You ended up it ended up being perfect for Major League Baseball that they only had one game to go against the NFL. It wasn't really. It was a good game last night, the Bengals-Ravens. We'll probably talk about it on, on Wednesday and the football show, so stay tuned for that. But it ended up being perfect for them. And then their night off tonight against this Chiefs-Raiders game that's actually getting really good. Chiefs are now up 24-23 with 12 minutes left in the fourth quarter. So I'm going to wrap this up so I can watch the end of that. But thank you so much for listening. Let me know what you think. Let me know what you think I missed. If you want me to go more in-depth with these solo pods, let me know. I, again... I don't like ranting too long. That's why these end up being shorter, but let me know. We'll try to get Greg or MJC or somebody on for another one. Um, I'm sure they will be for the league championship series previews. It should be an incredible week of baseball. We get basically seven days of it because the American league game fives would be a week from tonight, Monday night. If they happen, if not, you know, we'll see when we'll see the LCSs start. But we will be back to preview that. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Enjoy the week. We'll talk to you on Wednesday night. And until then, let's go Phils.